Hey there, it's producer Joe Dassault here for Curious City. You hear that? That's a pin dropping in a place smack dab in the middle of pretty much every music venue on any given night during the pandemic. But Illinois Governor Pritzker has said, and Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot agrees that this week... Barring any significant reversals in key COVID-19 statewide indicators, Illinois will move to phase five, normal business operations free of pandemic-related mitigations as soon as Friday, June 11th. That includes completely lifting crowd restrictions at every venue, from bar rooms to banquet halls. And with that, the sounds of needles dropping, beats bumping, guitars wailing, and vocals crooning will fill the air once again for full-capacity crowds. So with, as the city puts it, quote, things getting back to normal, we spoke with several Chicago-area musicians about how they've survived this last year. You learn to spend less. That's when you begin to value the essentials. What, what do you actually need? I got to interact with individuals, which is something I could never do on a live show. And what they're taking with them is the crowds come back. I appreciate everything that I, I went through last year that got me to a point now where I feel more confident um, I'm rejuvenated. The pandemic-fueled creative flow of Chicago-area artists. That's coming up. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org events. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. Think about what it's been like for musicians these past 15 months. Nearly all of the spaces to perform in front of crowds and bring in income shut down early on and are among the last to fully reopen. But to understand the journey musicians have been on this past year or so, we need to go back to the near-mythical time, the yesteryear known as, well, March 2020. Fifteen short yet excruciatingly long months for all of us also known as the before time. My name is Lori Lippitz, and I'm the executive director... Lori Lippitz is what you'd call a working musician and a businesswoman. The two are intermingled. And I'm the leader of the Maxwell Street Klezmer Band uh, since 1983. In addition to fronting the group, she also handles many of the logistics. Things like booking bar mitzvahs, weddings, and festivals. I'm the manager, so I take the calls and the emails, and I'm in charge of, you know, all the... There's also Demoris Dixon. Actually, months ago, I finally, like, took my real name out of my SoundCloud uh, username. Professionally, the Southside rapper now only goes by... D2X. Some people think it's D2 times or whatever else, but it's D2X. That's what I go by, and, you know, I I don't plan on ever changing it. (laughs) Ever, so yeah. And he's been at it for a little while, though not as long as Lippitz. He started rapping just a few years ago while at college. I know I gotta take my time, hope I ain't wasting it. 
throughout the years, I was just dropping singles, probably like two or three singles a year, traveling from school back to Chicago. I took the Amtrak like twice a month. I was just a college boy dreaming. Back and forth, the clock sinking, thinking proud I'm breathing, and I'm here. Daydreaming in these classrooms, I just hope they reappear. That's what life was like for the past few years. I'ma be a legend, done with group slides. Graduated college, leaving Western time, ran back. Dreams change, as far as I'ma take it. Then there are folks like veteran performer Lynn Jordan. The singer, storyteller, and self-proclaimed diva has been at it for the better part of four decades. She says the current lineup of her group, Lynn Jordan and the Shivers, has been in place since the late 90s. And I still have the same guys. Uh, one guy passed away. Nobody quits this band. They die. Breaking rocks out here on the chain gang. Breaking rocks and breaking by time. And though their gigs had ebbed in recent years, 2020 was stacked up to be a year filled with travel and good pay for Jordan. I was going to Europe, I was going to Morocco, it was going to be very cool. But all that stuff and all the private events, it was going to be one of the best years, you know, that I'd had in a while. I've been working, I've been working, but I still got so very And then there's musicians like Juan Diaz and his sextet, Sones de Mexico Ensemble. There's almost a... I would say uh, an, an anthropological survey of musical styles from different parts of Mexico. Diaz says that a year ago, his group's trajectory was headed in an exciting direction. We were preparing to celebrate our 25th anniversary of the group with a big concert at Millennium Park. We were looking for innovation in our own, to reinvent ourselves, really. After 25 years, you need uh, some freshness. They were collaborating with a theater company to stage a sort of musical production. It was the story of a woman from Mexico that was traveling on her way to Chicago, encountering all these musical situations with the blues and jazz and country western and things along the way. And somehow, Sones de Mexico was also present, sort of ghost-like. But all of that creativity was shuttered when the state of Illinois shut down. That went for music venues too, of course, and for musicians throughout the city and state, everything unfurled. When the, the pandemic hit... Everything canceled, and all I got was a big pile of phone messages and emails for the next weekend and the next weekend. All of our April just went, and then all of our Mays went after that first one. Then the festivals canceled, and it just was like dominoes. Everything canceling, nothing rescheduling. Then by like June, I think, the whole year just wiped out. I was just sitting here, instead of waiting for calls for gigs, I was waiting for cancellations. It kind of felt like I was like living in Gotham City for a moment, like <laughs> just a lot of uncertainty. I didn't know what to do at all. The playing field for veterans and relative rookies alike wasn't just leveled out. It was just plain leveled, period. Nobody was able to perform anywhere. It was times where I was thinking like, man, my career might be going downhill. I used to talk to my wife about it all the time. Like I was just very, very worried now that I think about it. It's the first time I told this story. As D2X was bracing, others were as well, like Lynn Jordan and her group. It was, it was terrifying. First, I kind of avoided it, you know, I went into denial about what the impact was going to be. 
but you know, you can only, and I had a little savings, but I went through that March and April. And by May and June, I was like, oh my God, this isn't going away anytime soon. This is, you know, this is, I mean, I'm not going to have any income at all. And, you know, I got bad knees. I can't stand. I was like, what can I do? What, what am I trained to do? Diaz of Sones de Mexico says that the group's umbrella organization, which includes a teaching component, could weather things for a while. But individually? The ones who suffered the most were the musicians in the group. Because once the work went, uh, so did their jobs. And I felt uh, a big sense of loss, a huge sense of responsibility for the musicians that depended on the income of the group. And I, I felt very depressed you know I, I had a, a period of time where I was really could not see like five feet in front of me uh, what was next to survive some of Sonys took on different jobs altogether others couldn't afford to live in Chicago anymore and went to live in Mexico to write out the pandemic even d2x a solo artist had to move back home he had a day job he didn't love and found himself with another burden one that comes to most artists. Last year, I was in a period where I felt like, like literally sometimes I felt like giving up. Hold on, my computer is running low. Let me try to get my charger. Give me one second. <clears throat> Darn it. <sighs> charger. Okay. Got it, got it, good. I got it. <sighs> All right. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, like last year, I just remember, like, you know, being in a different space, dealing with writer's block, didn't have any content, no songs, ready to put out at all. After the break, reality sets in, and people start figuring out their plan Bs. Plus, you know the old saying... They say necessity is the mother of invention. That was definitely. Definitely. Creators adapt and lean into technology and their inner selves. That's coming up. It goes one, two, three, four, five. I'm going to shine. I got God on my side. Summertime vibes when my shorty going to slide. Got to come alive, swimming up, going to rise. It goes one, two, three, four, five. I'm going to shine. I got God on my side. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at WBEZ.org slash events. Lori Lippitt says that she saw a lot of fellow musicians struggling financially, digging into their nest eggs, if they had them. Some people have just used up their savings, borrowed money, gone into their 401k, you know, things like that to support themselves. Mm -hmm. And some Mm -hmm. people are Ubering. 
Juan Diaz and his group were lucky to have landed outside support early on in the pandemic. Fortunately, some very generous foundations in Chicago came to our aid. And uh, we also had help from the Small Business Association through the PPP program that helped us uh, continue. When Jordan tried similar avenues to help secure a financial lifeline for her blues and jazz group, she found herself in the same position many musicians did. Man, I didn't get crap. I kept a ledger of all the grants I applied for. I didn't get nothing. I was beginning to think, is there like a black mark next to my name or what the heck is going on? I didn't get any of that, you know, so many different grants. And there were tons of them. I didn't even get the one. There was one for like $100 for groceries. I didn't even get that. I was like, damn. And these musicians, in an instinctual-like reflex, cut back wherever they could. One thing that you do in every artist, I think, that has been around for a while learns how to do is that there are times of more resources. There are times of fat cows and there's times of skinny cows. And when you're not in the limelight or usually a certain months of the year when there's not a lot of work, you learn to spend less. That's when you begin to value the essentials. What, what do you actually need to, to live? And then you simplify your life. By summer, Lynn Jordan, the self-proclaimed diva, was growing desperate. I was really freaked out and I went into a depression and you know, hid in my bed and crying, and I didn't know what I was going to do. She was broke, running late on rent. She tapped everything and everyone she could. And just before the bottom began to drop out, she reached back to a familiar set of faces. I started doing Facebook Lives, and I would get so many people watching the lives and saying, sing something, sing something. They kept asking me, you know. So, um, you know, that's how I got started. It was like, do or die. They say necessity is the mother of invention. That was definitely. She'd do little shows online. She didn't charge, but people would donate. Enough so that she was able to finally pay that rent. And it didn't stop there. She'd do divagrams, personalized videos she'd send to fans who would pay for them. Hey, Annie, this birthday divagram is from Kay. She loves you very much. You're always in her heart, and she wishes she could be with you on this momentous occasion. Her online performances grew into weekly shows involving her band. And it wasn't just the financial component that was returning in small ways. It was also audience engagement. Yet it was somewhat different than she'd experienced it before. I got to interact with them because I would be singing and seeing their live comments. So I got to interact with individuals, which is something I could never do in a live show. Hearts, emojis, virtual applause. As a performer who relishes stage banter, she gave the love directly back to her audience. Eventually, her group even found ways to return to public spaces, and it began on a lark. As it got warmer, one of my friends, who's this girl, my good luck charm, she was like, why don't you just do a party on my front porch? You can, because she lives in a neighborhood that's all residential houses in Chicago. Fish in the sea, you know how I feel. That launched a whole season of paid outdoor gigs for Jordan and her group, The Shivers and a new revenue stream for them as well. 
For Juan Diaz and members of Sones de Mexico, when the performance opportunities fell through, they leaned into the other side of their organization, education. For years, they've been teaching guitar and other instruments to children in person. Diaz says that at first it was hard to figure out how to even do simple things like tune an instrument or change a guitar string without being right there. Eventually, things started to click. And after a while, Diaz says they saw progress. Okay, muy bien, muy bien. Every student gets front row seating, and the teacher can get really close to the camera and show a detail of how he's holding the instrument or some details. And there was another benefit that filtered through, access. That included local people who weren't able to commute, but also people from across the U.S., and it also brought about unique learning opportunities that, for some students, would provide meaningful, lifelong memories. I have a student from Chicago. She's a 10-year-old girl that takes classes with her grandfather, who lives in Mexico, every weekend. So they meet online, and they are learning to play the guitar together. Disfrutar del espectáculo. Gracias. Muy bien, muy bien. Gracias. Hasta luego. Adiós. Adiós. Gracias. Adiós. Diaz says that now that things are reopening, they plan to keep a lot of what they learned over the past 15 months and incorporate it into their classes. Another thing that impacted all of our lives was our country's reckoning with its historical, institutional violence against African Americans. D2X feels that while the mainstream music industry slowed down from his perspective during this time, the shutdown and the anti-racist protests helped ignite creativity in independent hip-hop artists like himself. I started to basically just tap into a different side of myself, um, realizing that I could really push through this period that's, you know, that was unexpected. And he turned to the music that inspired him as an artist. I started to um, study a lot more hip-hop. I have grew up a fan of hip-hop, but I dug even deeper. I went back to, like, all of the Wu-Tang Clan solo albums, and I just kept going. I, I went back to old Jay-Z, went back to like Kanye albums just to get inspiration again. And from that point on, I think I started to grow as an artist over the pandemic. I started to figure what direction I wanted to go in. D2X's months-long writer's block was over. He took a step back from life and started working on his first full-length album. He was writing about what he was seeing. Waves hitting off the, this life believer hugging hot cold Steve Austin. I'm just on this walk, execution past losses, life lessons blessed and still haven't finished walking. Every day I'm thinking about these words that I'm talking, speaking as a prophet at my worst, I ain't falling. Four months of, of hard work, four months of, of focus, four months of no distractions. And lately I've been thinking about apartments, thinking how far can my heart get? Clues in the darkness, questions sit about my purpose. To be fair, during that time he did have at least one big distraction. He contracted COVID, which he says set him back about a month. But even that couldn't stop this newly inspired artist. I just told myself, like, I cannot deal with what I dealt with last year, not being prepared and dealing with, with time periods where I just wanted to give up. I had to get over that. I appreciate everything that I, I went through last year that, you know, got me to a point now where I feel more confident. Um, I'm rejuvenated. And from that point on, like, I, I caught my stride again, and I recorded 14 songs over, a, like, a three-month period. One time, uh. Now, I like, 
I kind of plan a lot of things out. Like I already got my 2022 planned out right now. Like just being prepared, you know, because you never know what could happen in the world. You got to keep growing. You got to keep evolving. And I think that's what the pandemic helped me learn. Because if you don't adapt to what's currently going on, then you could get literally just left behind. So waking up, blessed and got to thank the Lord. My shawty ain't no longer stressing. I just know that feeling when you gotta be depression. Searching for that peace like that Mona Lisa. It'll leave you breathless. You just need seconds. This summer, he plans to perform in support of his new album, The Color Blue, which came out in March of 2021. And he says that he wants to start working on a new release for 2022. Every day I get new inspiration. I just search tunes illuminated. As doors at venues begin to open for full-capacity crowds, we asked several of the artists we spoke with about what they'll take with them from these past 15 months. Lynn Jordan, she's filled to her diva brim with mixed emotions. Do I miss the live performance and live audience? Yeah, but I love this so much. I love interacting and connecting on this, this way so much that... I don't feel like I'm losing anything. The interaction is just, it's a different level, a different kind of performing and a different kind of connection, which I actually think is more intimate because everyone's in their homes. They're all laying on their couches. Sometimes they'll tell you what they're doing. I'm drinking wine. I'm in the hot tub or whatever. And the concept of just of being able to wear fuzzy slippers and, and pajama bottoms, <laughs> When I do a gig, it's just, I'm sorry, there's just nothing can beat that. Even, (laughs) you know. And she'll keep the virtual component. She says, why not? People can still join in from their living rooms if they want. Plus, when she does shows online now, people from around the world pop in. So, yeah, why not? And as you can see, I'm all excited. I love it. Juan Diaz of Sones de Mexico says he thinks the arts will play a big role in bringing people back out to businesses, festivals, and restaurants. And not just that. There's also a a big political shift in the United States where people have a need to have these conversations about race, you know, to be more open about social inequities. And they're looking for answers. He says Sones has done numerous cross-cultural collaborations with non-Mexican groups, like a project they did with African-American blues artist Billy Branch and his band, in which they explored their common African roots. Diaz says that those kinds of collaborations could be a model of a way to engage each other on injustices and inequities. I'm very optimistic about the future. I think that the groups like ours are part of the recovery process for our society. I think people are looking to come out and they're hungry for live events. They're hungry to have these musical significant moments interacting with each other, dancing, watching live music. So there's definitely, I think, a big tidal wave coming for that. But it's not quite there yet. A lot of people have lost family and friends over the last 15 months. And COVID, it's still here. But when that tidal wave finally hits the shores of the Chicago area in Illinois, Diaz and all of the musicians in this story are excited and anxious to catch the wave. This episode of Curious City was produced by Stephen Jackson, a musician himself, with a little layup from me. 
Alexandra Solomon is our editor. Monica Ang is our intrepid reporter. Maggie Civit is our digital and engagement producer. And Natalie Dahlia is our intern. Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation. I'm Joe Dassault. Thanks for listening. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.